And away we go. It is the BCJ Holy Grail podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. As always, huge shout out to our title sponsor, our longtime sponsor, our great friends at the Holy Grail, where uh, I guess you don't get to go to watch baseball yet, unfortunately, yet, but it is what it is. Hopefully they will uh, be playing ball soon, just so our good friends at the Holy Grail can benefit. Yeah, I'm waiting on bated breath. Screw the owners. Just just help out our friends at the Holy Grail. Like that's right. Oh, I I want them to. It's good for business. If if the Reds are playing, it's good for business for our friends. That's all. All right, Dave. We got a lot to get to today. As always. First off. Did you get a good sweat in? Did you uh, did you make it to the end? Because the end was the end was very interesting from your perspective. It was a wild final minute. Uh, Wes Miller getting a technical almost cost me uh, a significant shekels. amount <laughs> a significant amount of money because the boys for a minute there decided that they they weren't going to get blown out, and then in the last minute they were kind of like, yeah, whatever. And Houston was like, yeah, okay, we'll take these easy buckets. And Mike Adams Woods had a three to cut it to 15 at the horn. I wasn't exactly worried. <laughs> but those are the kind that fall, right? Guy oh, goes for sure. one for, se- for sure. One for six all game and then hits the, the one at the, the yeah, horn. To, to lose by 15 and push, which I, yeah, I wanted it at 14 and a half, didn't get it till 15. So I was like, that half point at the end, I was I was stressing out about, but uh, no, ball was a, in the air on that three. You were a little like, come on, had a decent come night. On. Nova first half against Providence, and then I, the crazy, uh, the crazy Oakland game with IUPUI only having five players. That ended up very close. It was close for a while, it, wasn't it? I, well, yeah, I took the under. Uh, they scored 47 combined points in the first half. And I'm thinking, this is this is gravy, baby. <laughs> like, these dudes aren't going to get at it in the second half. Oh, no. Big second half. And somewhere in the last 12 seconds, IUPUI makes a totally meaningless three to go over. Oh, so, yuck. it was almost a, a perfect night. But we're going to get back on that horse tomorrow night, I can tell you that much. <laughs> I don't know. I'd worry about tomorrow night. If you're betting against the Bearcats. Well, if that's I gotta, if, I gotta see what the line is first. Yeah. True that. True but. that. Let's let's get to last night. It was uh a valiant effort in the first half. And really outside of that second segment in the second half, like or second or third segment, one of the two. Um, they held their own in terms of at least keeping Houston in check. But boy, when they grind to a halt offensively, it is it is hard to watch. 28% from the field in the second half, 18% from three, 25, a whopping 25% from the free throw line. Uh, they slashed 28, 18, 25 and, and didn't completely get their doors blown off is almost a miracle. Yeah, I think 
you know, very rarely effort has been an issue. Like it's that's not the deal. They're just not. I mean, yeah, the, uh, defense talk- has defense has been an issue, and I thought yeah, defensively that's I as well as they played in a while. There was a kind of a stretch in the first half where Houston looked like they were going to just end it real quick, and then you see fought back. And I think you can tell with Houston, like they're going to go through stretches because the parts just aren't all there. And you're just asking, you know, auxiliary pieces to play too many minutes. Like in the second yeah, half, they're often, they played of, seven guys. Yeah. I mean, and, and really they will, how much would they even played seven guys? If the one guy doesn't get hit in the mouth. Yeah. I mean, they only had two two guys off the bench play more than 10 minutes. Uh, they had a guy play three minutes and a guy play one minute, and that was their entire rotation. Starters went 29, 34, 37, 27, 36. So I think when you're doing that, you're going to get a couple segments Lowest, where, yeah. where it's not going good. But you see just they don't have the whatever you want to call it, firepower, guns, to, to take advantage of, of those situations. They also don't, don't have anybody that can even remotely slow down Fabian White. No, he was, I mean, not, he was, <laughs> the first 10 minutes of the game, dude was on pace for 50. He had 20 at halftime. had 20 at halftime. So he wasn't that far off from pace for 50 at, at, at the break. No, only ended with twenty eight. So his his you know, development know. has been to me like, I mean, you remember a couple of years ago he was five. He was out. just one of their. He was one of their bodies. He was one of the guys to come in and beat the crap out of people. Yeah, I mean what what he's <clears throat> turned into has been impressive. But he's had eight years to develop, though. So it, it's it definitely seems that way. Um, you know, I. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to like shrug it off per se, but like, I don't really know that there's much to, to glean from last night. Like it's kind of the same stuff. You play a really, really good defensive team and you have moments where it's basically impossible to score. And that's what we've seen at stretches this year. And you know, there's just I don't know. There's there's a game left before the conference tournament. You're in the a wild end of February, beginning of March run where they seem to be playing practically almost every other day. And it, you're just not gonna go into Houston, I don't think, unless you have a 16-3 type performance and they started out hot, but I mean they flashed it on the screen over the last, I don't know if it was five or six games the best three-point shooting game they had was in the low 30%. Yeah, 33, 32%, yeah. Everything else was in the, you know, 20s and even low 20s. So you're just, I mean, you're, you know, you don't want to say it, but, like, you're you're playing out the string at this point. Like. You're, you're limping to the finish line. Uh, yeah, that's, I'd say limping would be generous, too. Crawling? Well, <laughs> I would I would have said much worse until I, I I mean I thought they played pretty well yesterday. Houston's just better. They played better than they've been playing recently, but yeah, Houston's a much much better team than the teams they've been playing recently. So you still end up getting a 
what is a lopsided yeah. score. I don't know if it was, I mean, obviously it wasn't that close. It was a, or that much of a spread. It was a 10 point game with like a minute left, uh, 10, 12 point game when a minute left ends up being 18. But I don't know. I don't know if that's much consolation for, for anybody. Considering the last three games they've played Houston. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah. They're, uh, I don't know. I don't really look, compare the two too much. Like the, Houston to me is a drastically different team. And so as you see. Dave, that last game earlier in the season in, in Cincinnati was 20 to three. No, I mean, second media time. going back into last year. Okay. But, uh, but it, the rea- they got beat, they got beat by 40 in both of those games last year. Okay. So I'm supposed to be like, hey, we're only getting beat by 20 now. Hey, improvement is might be marginal, right. but it is improvement. <laughs> yeah. I'm My like, point being, those games weren't competitive. And the first game this year ultimately was not really. I mean, there was they had the one stretch at the end of the first half, right? Where they cut it to 11 or whatever going into the right. half. And then as soon as they came out in the second half, um, they cut it to eight, and then Houston spikes it back to 14 and it was never really close like if you're measuring yourself against the best team in the league Houston's the best team in the league there is at least some improvement that is that was displayed last night that's all okay not that there's moral victories <laughs> not that there's you know what I'm saying is they just didn't come they, they came out and and at least were still standing in the ring after like the second round. Oh, I guess yeah. that's being I mean, my point. Yeah, I mean they're you know they for sure that is the case, but I mean I don't I'm not sure at this stage, like if you try to hang your hat on that, do you, you know No, I'm not hanging my hat on anything. I'm no, talking no, about the game. We're doing a podcast. No, I'm not <laughs> talking about you. I you know, I just I I saw some stuff along those lines today and I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, that's the angle we want to take. That's fine. Like, yes, last year we lost by an average of 38 this year, only by an average of 20. Okay. Cool. Improvement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did like what I saw from John Newman last night. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's the thing is you have parts that you like, we just don't get to see those parts for long extended times. And we don't get to see them with complimentary pieces. Like John Newman to me is like the quintessential guy that we have had on this roster for 20 years as like the third option. Right. Like, I'll, I'll, go, I'll shoot it even – I'll go all the way back. And I'm not comparing their games, but I'm just comparing the situations. Emmanuel McElroy, Dion Dixon, like Rashad Bishop, like dudes that you – like they're Bearcats, they're tough, they can get – they can help you out. But they're not going to go for 20, and you can't need them to go for 20. Right. What he should be doing is exactly what he did last night. Right. Which With was 11.7 rebounds. Guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I cut uh, you off. And, but... and, and instead, he was the best, you know, him and Saunders were the two best players. 
I mean, what it comes down to these last two and a half, three weeks is pretty easy. Teams have said, look, we're not going to let the Julius beat us. Like I said this on the on the BBP, and I, I'm interested in your take. The absolute worst thing that could have happened was those three games where the Julius had 25, 24, and 23. Because then everybody looked at it and went, oh, well, their offense is bad. And if we, we take the ball out of his hands, they're dead. If he scores 15, 16, and 12, when they're breaking down tape, they don't go, oh, well, this is easy. This formula is about as easy as it humanly gets, right? Well, Stop it. That- They've got nothing. The absolute worst is if he didn't do that, then there's probably three more losses. Well, two of them were in losses, I think. Okay, so. but from a yes, from a scouting standpoint and a and the way that you stop this team is yeah, I mean you don't let him get going, you push out on JD, and you just kind of like are like yeah, no one else is good enough to beat us. And you it know, was factual. You push. I mean, you could push JD out to half court. He's not going to pump fake and go by and try to drive by you. So you just keep pushing him out, and then you just don't. You know, basically, don't let David get the ball, which is you know easier said than done. But when the that's the other problem. Like, it's easier to say don't let him get the ball when you don't have to worry about three of the other guys on the floor. Right. Well, they're he's getting the ball. They're just they're just. Not letting him do anything with right. It. I mean, They're like don't get in the ball and, and get into his his sweet spots and and where his where he wants to go. I mean, it's impossible right. to not just to you know unless you just had you know two guys deny him the whole game. Deny him the whole time. It's impossible from that standpoint. But it's like yeah, let him get the ball thirty feet from the basket. Don't let him you know get into his game and just force Jeremiah further and further away from the basket. There's not much. I mean, there's not much they can do about it. I mean, what they were five for twenty last night, four for twenty last night, something like that. After four for nineteen against South Florida, like this team's just not good. Especially you play Houston, they're gonna hit an avalanche on you, and and you know what? It went from six to like seventeen in like in one segment, and it was like, yep. Unfortunately, that's that the book is out, and Houston is very good at uh reading the book. The, yeah, their I scouting mean, report then, defense you know, is very good and they're fundamentally sound. Right. And you have a the pro, you know, and you play a shorthanded team like that, but even with them being shorthanded, they're still such a great rebounding team that yeah, you know, they can still control. They can control the game even with only going seven deep because they just get so many extra possessions. Well, like you look at the the first segment of the game, Cincinnati did a an outstanding job defensively right out of the gate. But it was eleven to nine at the first media stop because Houston had seven second chance points of their nine. So really, like they had one play where they got a good look. It was a dunk. Uh, everything else, they took tough con- contested shots. Cincinnati battled for the rebound. Houston ends up with it, and boom! Instead of you know eleven to four, and you're feeling real good about yourself to start the game, it's eleven to nine, and you're like, we 
you know, we just threw the kitchen sink at them and we're up two. We had three threes. We're three of five from three. Things are moving pretty well. We're playing good, you know, first first possession defense. Yeah, we and we can't keep them off the glass. We haven't thrown the any passes to any coaches yet. <laughs> a couple of those last night. Oof. <laughs> Uh, promising from Mike Saunders, 14 points. He shot it well. Very, but um, like, and I don't want to, but it's like, or can't, that's, but it's the whole team in the whole season. Like you want to get, you want to be excited about that, but then you're like, you know, Thursday night, is he going to turn around and, you know, go one for five from the field? Right. They're just, they're just not able to, you know. Whatever, I mean, I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons. They just haven't been able to stack performances. And that's, you know, and I I know fans get frustrated and, you know, we all, every fan base has their fringes, you know, the ones that are, no matter what, it's it's still okay. And, you know, they find the positive in any, any little thing. And then there's the ones that are, we need, 13 new players and a new coaching staff. And it's definitely not, it's definitely not either one of those, but I, I, you know, I, I understand the frustration in that, not in that, like this isn't a tournament team. I don't think anybody realistically thought that it was, I think the frustration lies in just the overall performance that we've seen February into March bumped up against the notion that the league, like outside of Houston and Memphis, not great. So like you can, you can live with the rebuilding and the struggles, you know, if you feel like you're like if this season right now was happening in the big 12. No one would say a thing. Cause they'd be like, it's the big 12. It's like the first or second best conference. We're just getting our footing, but it's the, we're losing to teams that were better than, or we're not, you know, we're not having good performances against teams that we think we're, you know, might be ahead of us in the standings this year, but perennially for the last several seasons have not, that's not been the case. So like, what is the slide about? Like, what is there, should there be bigger concerns? So, I mean, like, I can understand some of the reaction and some of the commentary on it. Yeah, I mean, I can as well. And and look, this is, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Cincinnati basketball is the one thing in town that the fan base consistently over the past 30 years has, has experienced winning. Like this is not, nor, you know, 17 and 14 in conference or 17 and 13 in conferences, not just not something that that happens here. So and, and and fading down the stretch like they have is just not something that happens here. So I get why fans are a little jumpy. Like I get why they're uneasy because they're just not used to dealing with this. They're not. They're used to settling in for February. You know, February heading into March and getting ready to see their team uh, selected to the NCAA tournament and planning a trip and going to root them on and to see the the program in a state of working through things. Um, I don't want to call it a rebuild, but it's not far off from a rebuild. 
uh, is it makes people uneasy. I understand. I get it. But you and also I have to step it's... back and and realize like how we got here. Oh, why we got here for sure. But I, I think it's I mean, I think it's fair to say that it's a, re, you know, it's a rebuild. It's not a it's not a teardown. But I mean, you got new, you know, several new parts, new coaching staff. You're going to have, whether it's because of graduation transfer, you're going to have several new parts again next year. Like it's this isn't like a grab a couple dudes here and there and restock like we talk about with football. Like you have a pipeline right. of pipeline of players that you feel good about, but just haven't been able to get on the the floor because there's so many other good players ahead of them. Right. Um, you just hope that like we kind of talked about last week, you hope it's a two year rebuild and you're kind of like ready to roll as best you can going in to 2023. Right. Um, tomorrow night, they have typically played very well against SMU this will be an SMU team essentially fighting for their tournament life. I think most of the projections like best case I've seen for them is play in game. You can't, I mean, yeah, you can't lose this game and think you're getting in the tournament unless you win the American or make it to the finals or, you know. I mean, I still don't know because like what, 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 what wins is that giving you to get to the finals? Yeah, true. I mean, unless you get, you know, they'll, they'll get Memphis, I would guess, right? Who's is, is Memphis three? I, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. Um, obviously, it starts and stops with they did a phenomenal job stopping Kendrick Davis in the first matchup. Right. That will be a lot less likely tomorrow. Yeah, you think it's going to happen twice? Right. But if you hold him to, you know, eight points again, you definitely have a chance to to knock off SMU. Now their defense isn't great, so you would hope that you would hope that at least (laughs) I know that's what I'm saying. You would hope at least that this is maybe a chance for the offense to uh, can we can we get over forty percent from the floor? Like that would be a a nice a nice bonus, right? Yeah, I mean I don't know. They're just you just look at the point totals. I mean they're just it's so. Like they have to play such insanely great defense, which they just haven't done. You have these outlier games, like everything is in the fifties and low sixties for the last month. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to win that way. It's hard. They're due Dave. They're due. They are. I'm always, I'm always the one that it's like, you know, their bad free throw shooting is going to catch up to them. Or, like, you know, using the Bengals, for example, they can't pass protect. It's going to catch up to them. And I'm always like, or it's not. Like, you know, it, it more typically than not does catch up to you at some point. But, like, right. or they're just not a good offensive team and it doesn't matter if the other team is, like, really good at defense or not. Like, just because you're it open. It mattered for a while, right? Right. I mean, like, just because you might be more open doesn't mean you're going to make the shot. Correct. I mean, we've we've seen plenty of UC teams that could play five on zero, and would struggle to get to you know seventy five points. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying. Oh, I know. Hey, at least uh, I hope that it's it's going well for uh, for the guys across town. Yeah, we can. I try to take my um, biases out of it. I'm just going to ask like a very basic question. From a purely like basketball and personality standpoint, like why does anyone like Travis Steele? I mean, I don't have a. a overall I mean, if you're if you're Xavier, like, what? Why are you saying like, yep, let's give him another year? Yeah, that part. Part I'm, I'm curious about, like, I mean, I guess it's probably the same reason uh, that's always the case, which is money. And right, but I mean, like, just strictly like from a basketball and like program building sense, like, I don't. Yeah, get, but whatever. This isn't a Xavier podcast, but they happen to be playing right yeah. now. Um, they're they're but. down thirteen, four minutes to go. Oh well, fourteen. It's, it's tough. Hate to see it. Tough look. Hate to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I think if they play like last night, they have a chance to beat SMU. I do. Maybe yeah. I'm crazy, but the defense played really well. The offense is the offense, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, it's hard for me. The last to, couple games, I mean, it's hard for me to look at the way things have been going and. Of course, yeah. yes. I mean, could could they? Could they? Sure. I mean, tough part you is... look like. What? I was just saying, like you, like they only scored sixty-one against Houston. Yeah, I mean, uh, but they, they scored they seventy-five sure, but... against Tulsa, seventy-three against Memphis. You're gonna have to score at least sixty-five, close to seventy, if you're gonna have a chance to win this game. I would, I would think that's a fair assessment. Are we comfortable that they can do that? No. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> but maybe their second best game that they played all year was against SMU. Outside of Illinois. Would you agree with that? Um, they pretty much yeah, controlled think, that game start to finish. I think like that, that was, that was a comfortable they, win. I think they played pretty good at Wichita. Yeah, but they also like late they let kind of let Wichita crawl back into right. that where it it should have been a 17 18 point but game. I mean, that and first half was I think. about as good as they've played. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No arguments. That's there. like I mean that's like another home game for UC, so, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> I don't I don't have a whole lot else more on basketball to you. No. Uh, Aaron, pull up the standings if you can. Is there something that we were wrong about that I need to to correct? Um. So we talked about Cincinnati being locked into the seven seed because we were looking at loss totals. You have to look at win, win totals. You have to look at win percentage. And if East Carolina wins against I think Wichita this weekend then their win percentage would jump Cincinnati if Cincinnati loses to SMU if they win they're I think locked into the seventh seed if they lose there is a chance East Carolina could jump them so we would be in like the eight and I think there's also a chance Wichita 
could jump them. Yeah. yeah. If they win. So they'll be in the 8 9 game. Yeah. Cool. Can't say I've spent a lot of time on my American Athletic Conference tournament bracket. No, nor have I, Dave, nor have I. <laughs> You'd obviously prefer to be the seven and be in there with SMU than be the eight, nine, which would be Houston. You don't want to have to mess with that if you don't have to. And yeah, Memphis is third, so... That would be the path if you're the seven. You'd have to go through SMU and and then Memphis to get to the. Let's just go. The go give me the hard. Give me, give me the hardest path. I want to. I want to play the best team. It's, ironically, the easiest path would just be to you know, beat Houston in that second game, win the seven, the eight nine game, beat Houston in that second game, and then it's cakewalk to the championship, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Another shot at Temple. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Tulsa beats Wichita tonight, and Wichita beats ECU this weekend, and we're the seven no matter what happens tomorrow. Win tomorrow. Yeah, win tomorrow and seven is locked in, I know. It's just that wacky winning percentage based on whatever's left. Um, And our, let's face it, nobody cares. Our crack research staff bailing this out. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you. Talk some football. I would love to talk some football. Time stamp it, Aaron. All right. Uh, the news of the day. I started getting uh, a little wind of this yesterday. Uh, didn't fully get it confirmed. And of course, as always, got scooped by Pete Thamel because that's just what happens around here. Uh, but Greg Scruggs headed off. To the NFL to be the assistant D-line coach with the New York Jets. Um, I'd have been a lot more worried about this a month ago, right? Because I think the solution's pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, I know there's, you know, we have some fans that don't like it when coaches leave and, well, you know, whatever. I just I'm I don't get concerned because like what has when coaches have left the preceding hires what which one of them have has Luke just like totally whiffed on so like I mean if gonna, maybe if you're not mean, whiffed but in, maybe it, Chad Wilt yeah but you that get was frustrated one, with one it was year. A year I mean. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, maybe you get frustrated with that one because it was a one year and he was in and out the door uh, about in, as quick as he got Luke, here. I mean, he's he's sh- he's shown to be like the one of the biggest movers I've ever seen. Like the guy is at a new job every yeah. year. Yeah, and not because he's getting fired. Um, no, he just keeps. But like, ping, if it's ping, if, ping. if it's in Luke, we trust. Then like, why are like it? It, it, it hasn't affected recruiting in the past. Recruiting keeps getting better. Coaches keep leaving. Like, and you have the defensive line coach on staff. You just yeah, hired. Yes, I mean the the position that Walt was in is such an, a niche position 
that you can, if you choose. You added, like you hired him to that position just to get him on staff. Right. So you can move him to defensive line coach if you like, because he has coached defensive line at multiple schools. I would be shocked if he's not the next defensive line. And then you, you know, take your time. And it might not even be like a replacement of that type of coach. I mean, you have maybe, a linebacker's coach. Right. I mean, maybe someone else is now available that you want to add that you want to split defensive ends and defensive tackles. All right. I mean, it's just, you know, Scrugg seemed like an awesome dude and good recruiter, and he's obviously a good coach, good developer, I think, you know. Yeah. Really brought some of those guys along the last couple of years, but I'm not, I'm not really giving it like a ton of, ton of time from a like no but i mean it's again this is a podcast and right but i'm just explaining we, like why to me it's not something to yeah i mean i guess you know the 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 hard part there is you you do have while you have some experience at the top of this defensive line you're going to be working in a lot of young guys um, so you probably would have, you know, preferred to have that continuity for this year. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying it's ideal, but far from it. You also still have, you know, in Malik Jabari and Jawan Briggs, three guys that played a lot of football mm-hmm. at, you know, at the top. So, uh, I, especially like a, a D line, like. I don't mind changing D-line coaches every two, three years. Just because there's so many different, like, techniques and coaching styles for defensive line and different ways to, you know, attack the position. Um, I don't hate it. Like, I've talked to a couple of those guys that have have played D-line here and had, you know, three coaches in four years, four coaches in four years. And for the most part, they're, they say it helped because, you know, you got this perspective from this guy, you learn these techniques, and then you got a new guy and you learn some new techniques and you stacked. Like, that's a position that you're always, I think, looking for more, looking for more knowledge, looking for more technique, looking for more skill. Uh, so I don't think it's a terrible thing for D-line to kind of, you know, obviously you don't want to, have a new one every year. Right. But I don't think it's a terrible thing to have different voices coach your D-line room over, you know, a cycle or two. For sure. Um, and yeah, I'll be shocked if it's not Walt. Shocked. Yeah, it's just... We, uh, we get a Luke Fickle press conference tomorrow. Oh, we do. Yeah. Wow. Spring spring preview press conference. Um, so looking forward to that. And then we'll get uh we're getting Arquan Bush and Trey Tucker. Also get a little Coach Guggen's action. So I love every time Pro Football baseball. Focus posts something about Kyle Hamilton giving up one touchdown his entire career. I'm always like, yeah, Trey Tucker, say what's up. Yeah. 
made him look <laughs> silly too. <laughs> silly. Um, defense preview the defense. Sure. Spring football preview continues. We're looking at the defense. Start with the D line. Uh, new D line coach. <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of just touched on this. Um, it's a it's an interesting group because you have three guys that you you believe and know that you can count on at the top. Yeah, I mean, you've got three guys that have played a lot of football in their careers. Yeah. And then you have, like, nothing in between. It's three dudes that have played a ton and then a whole bunch of dudes that have hardly played or not played at all. I mean, we've seen a very little of Eric Eric Phillips. We've seen a very little of Justin Watley. Um, I think that's it, right? (laughs) I think so. I mean, there's there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of of depth, uh, proven depth yet behind them. But we've seen this before, where you know who's going to step up, and and there's so far during the Luke Fickle era, typically been guys ready to make the step. Um, I've heard some good things in people I've talked to about Watley that he is his maturity and his work ethic and um, dedication to the game is, is getting to where, you know, the staff wants it to be, uh, which is a good thing. Um, I've heard some good things about uh, Dominique Perry, who I think has a chance to be pretty good in that, in that defensive tackle role. Um, it sounds like, and I guess we'll, you know, with the new D line coach, we'll, we'll see, but it sounds like Eric Phillips is going to kick outside to maybe more of a three technique, um, which will be interesting because he was the one guy that, you know, you thought would be able to give you some depth at defensive tackle. Looks like Dominique Perry and, and the Godfather Dante Corleone will be, uh, battling for that backup uh, uh, nose tackle spot. And then the big question is like, who's going to be that backup five tech? Who's going to be the backup pass rusher? You know, I, I think they're excited about a guy like, you know, Jamal Williams. But yeah. Is he, is he still a year away? Like what, what are you going to be able to put him in the rotation and, and trust it? Um, So that'll be one, you know, you'll we'll definitely have to keep a close eye on as uh as spring practice unfolds. What's your take? What are you doing? You haven't looked up in 12 minutes. 12 minutes, that's a stretch. <laughs> I was reading something. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what but that's what springs for. That's hopefully some of those things get answered. We get an idea of not answered like affirmatively but we get an idea of okay this guy this guy is who they see as filling this role and oh this guy looks like he's you know progressing at a good rate and maybe by the fall you know he's in that rotation and he's getting 15 20 snaps a game what about rob jackson yes what about him like we don't know yet (laughs) (laughs) you could just list his name I mean, right like we don't know yet team. 
but like, I don't know. <laughs> he looks great. Yeah. In, ter- in terms of guys like getting off the bus. Yeah. Hopefully like, he's, I mean, seen anything I would, from I, him yet. you know, I hope he's one of those dudes. Me too. Be great if he is because physically he's, he's everything you want. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of wait and see. Honestly. I mean, you just, you just don't know. And I think they'll, they'll get a good, you know, like in years past when I think we focused a lot of our attention on the wide receiver defensive back matchup, whether it's, you know, new wide receivers, new defensive backs. I think a lot of our attention when watching the defensive line will be, are they getting more so with like the, the new, the second and third teamers? I mean, I, I'm not yeah. saying like Malik and Jabari and um, Jawan are going to struggle or anything, but like if the offensive line is having a day, you know, I want to see. And they know, do a lot of ones versus twos, which you've got a veteran offensive line. Uh, I'm excited to see like what young guys at what point in time flash against this you right. know, veteran first team offensive line. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, we talk about corner being, you know, a, a big unknown, the, uh, the backups on the, the defensive line are just as much of a, and, and that's important because that's a rotation, right? Like you don't want your three defensive linemen out there, 60 snaps. You'd like them to be out there, 40 snaps, 45, 50 snaps. Right. Uh, which means you need your second team to be able to eat up another 20, 30 snaps. Are Especially if, and we don't know this, but I mean, like, if you see more 4 2 5. I'm not saying they will or won't, but. Wise. What? I don't know. Per- Otherwise, you, you can go four down linemen right now. Exactly. I mean, that's. But. Yeah, I mean, the defense is littered with these, you know, these types of questions. So it'll be. You know, it'll be interesting. You're breaking in so many new parts, but then you're, you're also breaking in a new quarterback. So it's like, how do those two things. <laughs> go up against each other right linebacker i think even though you're losing two really important guys i think linebacker is probably the spot you feel best about on defense right because you you still have huber easily you have yeah you have huber you have pace you have new pace new pace (laughs) and you've got um pony boy yeah. So, I mean, you got four dudes right there that you feel in whatever role they carve out for themselves, you feel you feel good about that. Like, And you, you have Jaheim Thomas, you have David Jones, you have um, Little Dingle. <laughs> Little Dingle. It just cracks me up because he's five inches taller than his brother. Um you have um, Cam Jr. 
Like you've got six, seven guys at linebacker. I think you feel pretty comfortable putting on the field. Even if there's a lack of experience, you don't feel like you're going to be overmatched at linebacker. No, for sure. I mean, especially when you're talking about the top four. Like, yeah. I mean, you're only going to, you know, with the styles of offenses they play, you're only going to play so many linebackers on first and second down, any first and second down anyway. Yeah. I mean, they've been pretty consistent with three. Right. But I mean, like, you're not going to go too deep into your roster right. unless you have injuries. I mean, my guess is we'll see, we'll continue to see the combo of Van Fossen and Pace at the dollar. Yes. I mean, they combined for what, 140 tackles, 130 tackles last year. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You're getting to keep two really high level guys out there, you know, and play fresh and play fast and play physical. Um, So I think you'll still see that. Uh, My guess is we'll see Huber in the middle and Jaheim Thomas at weak side with pace rotating in would be my guess. Yeah. It's time to get Jaheim Thomas on the field. Like I, I've seen it. I think we've seen enough from him. Can you, I mean, this will be something I'll be interested to see. And I'm just might be pulling this out of my ass, but like on third down, can you bring Huber down as like a stand up rush end? Probably. And, and bring on, you know, pace. Or Jaheim, because Pace is also a pretty good rushing threat. Bring another one of you know, bring one of those guys in. So you have four down. And you cut not not that you're replicating or replacing Maje, but you're bringing a bigger guy who is familiar with rushing the passer in as a as a fourth defensive lineman, and then you still have your speed guys in it at linebacker, and then another guy that can can rush and and you know go sideline to sideline. Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, that's what they love about Huber is his ability to get to the quarterback, right? Right. Now, I don't know if you'll see him as like a hand in the dirt. But no, I think like he's a stand up, like stand up guy. I mean, he's not a yeah. not really. A, he's a straight line dude. He's not really a sideline to sideline. So, like, just put him on the edge and on third and nine, just be like go get you know, just rush. Well, yeah, that's what he's that's what he did last year. So he's comfortable with doing it already. Like he yeah. might have done it from more of a between the tackles type yeah, position, that's, but right. But still, yeah, yeah. I think they'll find creative ways to to use him to get to the quarterback for sure. And Jaheim's a guy with his athleticism that you could bring off the other off the because they really did they really did that with Beavers as yeah. well. I, I I think Jaheim's got a chance to fill in for Beavers really really well. I mean that's that's a lofty lofty. I'm not saying he's going to be as good. Don't um, you know? Don't get me wrong. Beavers was really really good last year. Yes, absolutely. I think Jaheim has a chance to be really really good. Now is it going to be right away? No, it took Beavers three years to grow into that. You know, really understanding you know who he was and what he could do. Uh, But I think just off the top, Jaheim is right in that same ballpark as far as like his, his athleticism and how gifted he is. Right. So no linebacker. I I feel pretty good about, I think that's, you know, that that's going to go back to being kind of the strength of the defense after last year, it being 
corners, secondary, and, and defensive line. Well, too, I wonder, like, without having the guy like Maje and that takes – didn't get the counting stats but drew the attention. Yeah. Do you see more – more linebacker pressure and a more just a more active unit in that sense overall to make up for some of that to run some games to run some you know zone blitz a gap blitz whatever they want to call it um to help your help your defensive lineman out by overloading areas confusing offensive offensive lines where before you could kind of man up and be like, Curtis Brooks is going to whip this center's ass, you know, most of the time. And Majay's going to beat this tackle most of the time. And we don't have to really do a bunch of stuff behind them. Um, do you, do you know, do you see them have to get a little bit more creative with that group to help out the D line? Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to have to, right? Like you don't have that, off the edge speed guy. You're going to you're going to have to change your philosophy quite a bit because you're if it's Malik Jabari and and Briggs like we've like we anticipate it's three guys to play with a lot of power. Yeah, they'll they'll set the edge like a son of a bitch, but I'm yeah. I'm concerned about how many tackles are the they really going to going to whoop outside and the other problem too is is like the contain element of it like you know, they're just bigger, more power players, you know, they rush or get out of, you know, you're just being susceptible more to outside stuff, whether it's a quarterback, running back, receiver. Um, so, you know, maybe you do bring a, a Huber up more often in that look type of look. Yeah. I think you have to look at it, obviously. For sure. And this is, you know, we've kind of heard that aggressive, you know, zone blitzing scheme that Trestle likes. Maybe we see more of that this year. Maybe I think it was pretty obvious last year. He wanted to play zone with his secondary at times. Oh yeah. I played a lot more zone than under Marcus. And I, I would guess the, the amount of man we saw was something he was not overly comfortable with. They just had man corners. So, I mean, I'm interested to see, you know, what, well, and a lot of that will we'll move the corners now. A lot of that still probably depends on your corners. You know? Yeah, I mean, my, the, interesting, the most interesting thing for me, I, mean, I don't know if I'll say most, top three most interesting things for me, first day, where does Arquan Bush line up? Yeah. I'm going to guess in the slot. I mean, I... I think that's the right move, but I'm saying that without knowing who the hell's playing. You know, how, how confident we are about the, the two well, outside have, guys. I think you have three guys kind of competing for those two outside spots. Maybe four, depending on where Justin Harris is at, coming back from his neck injury. But you have Jaquan Shepard. You have Todd Bumpus. You have Sammy Anderson potentially JQ Hardaway, but I would guess that's, you know. I mean, I would think the betting money is on Shepard, Bumpus, and Arquan. It's just a matter of who, where's Arquan. 
Yeah, I wouldn't rule out Sammy. Sammy's an interesting one because I think. Well, here's the here's the other thing though. Before we get to that, if you move Arquan outside, who are you putting in the slot? It would be Taj Ward. I like that would that's the guy that's been filling in in the slot when right. Arquan's so dealt then, with injury like, does that mean that your three best corners aren't out there just at the same time? Right. That's why I typically tend to believe that Arquan will be in the slot. I do too. I also think that that's his best spot. But like, yeah, if you decide to move him, then I don't think Bumpus or Sammy are going in there. I wouldn't think so either. Those are longer, more rangy outside guys. I mean, I guess you could make the point that now, Justin's was always a, seemed like a slot guy to me. But I would agree. Or field, I think he he could be a field guy. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's where it's going to be pretty interesting. Is you know do you do you decide that that's the best spot for for Arquan for the health of the the defense, or do you feel like you know it's he he played good soldier waited his turn to get one of those outside spots and you give him a shot to win it. Right? Yeah. I mean, because let's be real. You know, most guys don't want to be labeled a slot because they all have aspirations to go to the NFL. Slot teams just don't make the money that outside guys do. Ask Mike Hilton, who's the best slot corner in the or in the in the NFL, basically, right? Uh, yeah, I would say he's easily top three, and he's not even the he's not he's the third highest paid corner on his own team. Right. No, one of those guys is about to get his ass cut, but he's still making less than Cheeto. Right, and for good reason. Cheeto's a hell of a. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's really corner. good, but like. You're talking about the best at their position, arguably, and has right. been for several years. And the Steelers didn't want to pay him, and the Bengals got him for like six million a year. Right. So. So yeah, that'll be interesting. I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'll actually say I wouldn't be surprised if they give Arquan that chance to see if he's an outside guy to start camp. Yeah, I can. I, mean, but I would What's hope at some point you you're. He's out there just to see. I mean, what if guys right. get hurt? You know, can we move him out there? Can someone else? What if he's by far the best option? Right? I'm sorry. Well, I didn't hear you. What if he's the best option outside? Well, yeah, sure. You have to find out. Yeah, I mean, we're saying, like, his best spot is in the slot, but that's assuming that the other two guys, whoever the two outside guys are, aren't a couple slap dicks. Right. <laughs> You're right. like, we got to put him out there. We can't stop anybody. I mean, I, I think those two guys are going to be good. Um, But you never know. I think that's the... <laughs> I, think our, I think our fans need to, like... Understand how go good watch Sauce some was. some very yeah. average college defensive backs all summer. Yeah. Like, some very average pass defenses all summer to get an idea of like reprogram their brains into like giving up 330 yards passing the game. Isn't like that terrible when you've 
been giving up like 195 for the last two <laughs> <Right>. years. <laughs> like, you yeah, dude, I've been saying feel, I've been saying that for months. I've I been feel saying bad. people. I feel bad for those dudes. They're gonna give up a deep ball or bust a coverage, and people are gonna want to kill them. And it's like, wait a second, like you've just been watching the best corner duo in the country for two years. Like, right. This is a different, this sport is not what you've been used to watching. Like you're not corners, supposed to give up under 200 yards passing a game. That's not how this works. No. So, you know, there's some reprogramming of what, uh, what pass defense looks like needs, needs to happen. There are games coming that whoever is the boundary corner is going to give up more yards in a game than sauce gave up in a season. Oh yeah. Like, there's going to be a 150 yard dude. Like somebody, somebody's number one guy is going to get 150 at some point. It's not going to happen a lot, but there's going to be one. You hope not, but yeah. Right. I mean, this whole, there's like, going to be one. This whole like taking away an entire side of the field. That's, that shit's over. That's not supposed to happen. Ever. Like that's not that's not how the game is no. played anymore. So yeah, there's there's and we've warned of this a lot. <laughs> we've be prepared because it's it's gonna be challenged. It, it's it, we just for three years we've watched one dude just uh, go back to to right before the second half took of over. Ni- the second half of nineteen. Yeah, go back to the first half of nineteen. When don't get me wrong, uh, who was the transfer? Oh, Cam Jeffries. Cam Jeffries and Kobe were yeah. pretty good. They were pretty good. But the teams were still racking up, you know, 250, 275 yards passing. And people were, you know, people were upset. And then Sauce emerges, and all of a sudden, nobody can pass on Cincinnati anymore. And uh, there was there was a very good reason for that. It, that this is a guy that now Daniel Jeremiah has as his number four player in the draft. Yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm to the point now. As long as he doesn't shit the bed this weekend, he's a top ten pick. I'll be pretty. I'll, it's a better than fifty fifty shot that he's a top ten pick, yeah. in my opinion. Now, shit. I mean, guys go here, guys go there. He goes. He ends up going twelve or fourteen, whatever you know. But like. Yeah, I mean it's he's damn near he's damn near consensus, you know, almost consensus CB one from what it sounds like. Yeah. We'll get we'll get Everybody's... into one we'll get into one person's uh positional rankings where he is not CB one and the guy that is CB one is not Derek Stingley. Do we have to talk about that guy's rankings? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's quite quite well known. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. He's the only um, one that I've seen that has like a full on positional ranking, like down to like fifth, top fifteen, twenty of every position. So, so, so yeah, that, that's what Sprague's going to come down to. Well, I think, no, we didn't know, even you, get to safety. I, no, I'm talking about I'm wrapping oh, up okay. corner. I thought you were wrapping it, up. No, that like me. Spring's going to come down to for corner. Is is Jaquan Shepard the heir apparent to Sauce, or do they feel like one of Bumpus or Sammy is better suited for that boundary spot? 
who are the other guys over at the field and uh, where's Arquan? Like, and, and, and what, where is Justin Harris? How far along is JQ Hardaway? Like there's, there's a lot to watch at cornerback, which is why I've said all along, like that's, that's going to be my favorite position to watch uh, throughout the spring. Safety, Javon Hicks. Um, Dingle is is going to probably get the first crack at that other spot. I think you have three guys that are going to be uh, nipping at his heels in Amorian Smith and Isaiah Cox and um, fire threats. Fire threats, yeah. And threats was is likely. I think if I had to guess, it'll be threats next to Hicks. Like you mean, starts. like in at Arkansas? Yeah. All right, I'll put my money on Cox. Okay. He's going to have to pass two guys. That's where I think it's tough for him. He's going to have to pass not only threats, but he's going to have to pass Dingle. Not to say that he can't do it, uh, but but Cox or, or uh, threats was clearly the guy they groomed. Yeah, like, I mean, they got, got him some got snaps. Some they got him special teams. They got He was the guy that played special teams. Um, so... In the Luke Fickle like lineage, next up is usually the guy that that was the, the primary Proves special teams guy. Teams. Right. right. Oh yeah. So, I just think there's something like I I, I don't disagree. I'm just Brady, saying he's Brady always seems to like get a mention when we talk about dudes and attitude and and buy-in and all that stuff that the strength coach loves to talk about. He always seems to find a way to mention Isaiah Cox. There, I think the, the most impressive thing to me about Isaiah Cox, see how I did that? I didn't say the most impressive thing to me about Cox. So I didn't want Aaron to clip it. <laughs> <laughs> the most impressive thing to me about Isaiah Cox is whenever you saw Brian Cook, Isaiah Cox was like six inches away. Like uh, absorbing, they worked out together. Um, I just, when, I'm sorry, I just laughed in my head. With, I know. <laughs> it was a great, great line there that if you're, you know, demented like I am, you laughed at. Yeah, I know. That's I, I'm trying to tread carefully here. <laughs> um, Six but, months away. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I promise we're not five. But we're, we might be 13. Did Aaron just make a comment and then put his comment on the... on the? <laughs> yes. The jokes are writing themselves. Um, But Isaiah, we'll just call him Isaiah, was right there with Brian Cook at all times. Like, just trying to absorb everything like a sponge, trying to, you know, be right in his hip pocket. And uh, I think that's that will do him well long term but if i had to guess threats threats has the uh the edge i think here. i think he has the upper hand going in um i just it just seems like he might be one of those dudes that is a fast riser and and you know if brady seems to talk about him a good amount that luke you know is probably in that same vein um hicks backup that's a very interesting one 
Because I think the answer to who will who will primarily take reps at the two behind Javon Hicks, I think it'll be Will Adams. That's like a Will Adams, Amari McDonald thing, right? Amarian Smith or, or Deary McDonald. McDonald. Uh, I th- I would probably put Amarian Smith ahead of Deary. Um, I just didn't know if, if any of the guys were in. You know, is is Smith in the running for both spots? Where sometimes. Potentially, you know, you got um, you got your free and your what they yeah. We'll just be basic field free boundary, and strong. Yeah. It's not really what it is anymore, but you know, your 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 single high, which is your Javon Hicks, um, you know, your Jesse Bates versus your more hash box box Von Bell. I think know. Armorion's probably more of a box guy. Um. So we'll see. Um, but that, the, what I was getting to is I, I think Will Adams will be the backup to Javon Hicks. But if someone had to take the field in place of Javon Hicks, I don't know that it would be Will Adams. Make sense? It does. It's, a scary, it's kind of a scary thought regardless. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's where you just get dudes running down the middle of the field, twenty yards open, just chucking and ducking, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, depth at safety is critical this season as well. Like, I think they're going to be okay with whoever starts. Um, but they got to start building that safety pipeline going forward. And that's why I feel like we go back to the front four and the front seven is it, you know. It's kind of the opposite of the way it used to be. You need to yeah. you need to help your DBs out now by getting more pressure, getting you know, confusing the offense where before it was like it don't matter what we do, you're not moving the ball. Right. Like we don't need to get creative, we don't need to outsmart ourselves, we don't need to put 30 things in the playbook. We're going we're going to do these five things, we're going to do them really good and you're not going to stop them. Right. Um, what, what are we doing? What, we, get on, get on me for looking down, dude. Just, dude I'm just answering a question on the board over here. Yeah, I, I run a message board. You we're, were doing just a podcast. Reading a, 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 what you were reading a random article. They can wait. Not listening to me. I was listening. Um, so it was it was in response to something I put on the board. I guess we could talk about it here. Okay. That's that's pretty much it for the spring defensive preview, right? Do you have anything else? No. Okay. I did get clearance on one more thing I'm hearing. Um in in regards to the timestamp that Aaron. We're we're done with the uh defensive preview. Look at you. Look at you. Um There's a quality control position open on offense as they just recently lost someone. That role, to my understanding, sources are indicating that role will be filled by none other than former Bearcat bowl game star, Michael Colosimo. Wonderful. And then I can talk about his time on Rocky Top. You can. He was at Rocky Top for a couple years, Kentucky for a couple years. Spent this year, I think, at Tulane. 
and now comes back home as a quality control assistant for the Bearcats. So there you go on that. He was uh, he was a GA here for a little bit, and is a guy that uh, a lot of ties to the program. So good for him. Did you know his dad was a a, a, a star running back in college yeah. at Colgate? Yeah, at Colgate, mm-hmm. yeah. His dad's done one, if not more, of my dad's knee surgeries. <laughs> We've known. I mean, obviously, when you're at football, when you're a little kid, you've known him yeah. your whole life. So yes. Um. So yeah, add that to the mix. Uh, you want to get into those positional rankings as we go into the combine kind of yeah. eating up what tomorrow we can talk combine yeah des des tomorrow alec pierce tomorrow uh coverage starts at four on nfl network i'm not entirely sure when the actual drills start but uh yeah i mean it's it's gonna be interesting malik willis is not gonna run so i think that gives des an avenue to kind of be the best. I don't know what other drills testing wise Willis is going to do. Um, like, I don't understand why he's not going to run and he's going to wait until his pro day. Like, if you think you're fast, then run. Like, and I think you're on mute. Uh, and generally, I, think- I was going to say, generally, the reason you do that is I believe the, uh, the combine is laser timed. Yes. Where pro days are hand-timed. Yeah. And hand-timed tends to be a lot more player-friendly than uh, Yeah, but I mean, when you're a quarterback, how much is it really going to – I mean, if you're if – you're For run him? Four, if you're going to run in the low four fives, you're, you're fast as, you know, you're plenty fast. And that's the thing, too, is we're going to hear a lot of, oh, my God, this guy ran a four three seven. Right. That doesn't really matter. It's all about thresholds, like – are you are you this fast? Okay, fine. Being that much more faster than are you this fast isn't really that important, right? Just like that's fair. Can you? But I'm just you, telling you that the the logic is probably oh, I'm let's sure. Let's not yeah, run a laser just, time. Like, let's I run just, a hand time. You know, which whatever, whatever helps him get to the Steelers. Go ahead. Um, You're dying for him to go to the Steelers. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold on him at all. Um, but no, Des, he's going to go through the paces. I mean, I think he's got a chance to help himself out a bunch. I don't think, I think there's still no real separation. Um, I've, you know, granted this, well, can obviously change after tomorrow. I'm, I've held firm. But I think he's a second round guy. Um, but we've seen a lot of quarterbacks, second round quarterbacks go in the first round because somebody oh. either falls in love or feels that, like, I got to jump up thing. and get him. Oh, pre combine, everybody's this quarterback class isn't any good and blah, blah, blah. Once free agency's up basically over in two, you know, in three weeks. And none of these veteran quarterbacks get traded. Like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting traded. Russell Wilson ain't getting traded. Who knows what's going on with Deshaun Watson? Like, when the main guys don't move, 
Guess who's going to start looking a lot better to some of these teams? All these crappy quarterbacks that they've been <laughs> shitting on for the last two months. So Boy, I saw the I saw the biggest code in the world today. What's I don't that? Know why, uh, that uh, teams were surprised that quote unquote surprised that Malik Willis knew how to like sit down and and talk offense and get on the whiteboard, which is basically code for. No, he's black. We thought he was stupid. Oh, well, I think it's code for the offenses he was running. A, a junior high quarterback could run those. So, yeah, but you see this every year. Every year, somebody's surprised that the black quarterback is stupid. right. But I think that I'm not. I don't know if it's as much that as it's he was in Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze's offense. So it was one read and then scramble. Yeah. So, I mean, and. You know, we'll see. You're not going to see it as much tomorrow because it's not like there's a lot of coverage going on. But his problem, especially this year, was middle <laughs> of the field, congested areas like second and third reads because they don't do that. Yeah. So how much time does that take to learn and get comfortable right. with standing in the pocket when before it's like I look over to the right, guy's not open, I'm running. When you watch some of that stuff, it really does make you appreciate how, like, how good at quarterbacks Cincinnati. are. Like when they do full field reads and they're standing back there, and you got like two and a half, three seconds to process. One's not open. Two's not open. Three's not open. Go back to one because now he is open. Like, right? It's insane how how smart and quick and. And just all of these things that these quarterbacks are. And when you look at Des, like how complex this offense actually was in comparison to what a lot of other guys in college were running. Not that yeah, it was I mean, this crazy complex offense, but it wasn't one, you know, back yeah. foot, one read, take off. I don't know if we talked about it. It's The comment was made rough, probably like, three weeks ago or so, but Mike Renner from PFF, he doesn't have Dez as his number one quarterback, but he said like, he's the most ready mentally and physically to actually come in and play now if you needed him to. And and that's why. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, compared to the other quarterbacks, Sam Howe, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett. None of them really ran quote-unquote pro style. Now, that's a 2000s term that isn't really a thing anymore either. But Everybody's running spread now, but... Exactly, but there's variations to it, and there's how you process, how, you know, your your personnel groups, how you process the play, you know, what kind of routes are people running? Like that's the other thing too, is like Malik Willis probably only threw to like three or four routes. Right. Des threw 30. All of them. He threw all of them. Yeah. There's nine routes in the route tree. I mean, he threw all of them. You know, you know, it's very similar to like talking about UCF. They run like three routes. So, you know, I'm just, I'll be excited to just watch and see 
see how he does, how his accuracy is. I mean, they're they make a big deal out of like, oh, they've got all new target, all new receivers. If you're good, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, you know, how's your how's his accuracy? You know, how does he just how does he look? How does he like does he feel, look like he feels comfortable? Is he like so you know narrow focus that he's not interacting with the, the you know the all the guys? Is he out there just letting it fly? Is he having fun? Like they look at all of that stuff. Right. Um, so you know he was with the, the list we were talking about was Dane Brugler, who's kind of the draft guy for the athletic. He had him fifth, which to me at this point doesn't really mean much. Right. Um, like I said, you're, you know, you haven't had the combine and teams that are hoping to get a quarterback, they haven't even had the chance to get him. So like, you know what that means? I don't know. I mean, Part of me wants him to get drafted as high as possible. The other part of me wants him to go to specific situations where I think he has the best chance to grow and then play down the line and not be in a bad spot. Yeah. All right. Running back. Do we have a Jerome Ford top 10 in running backs? Uh, he is 14th. Okay. Which running back is – what do you, you know, kind of like your flavor of ice cream? What are you looking for? What do you like? I think he's going to test really well. Um, but 14, his tape's really good. His tape is good. <laughs> 14th, if you're just going off of like trying to slot guys from a draft perspective, fifth round, fourth, fifth round, depending on who likes you. Yeah. Um, because I don't think you're going to see any. I don't think you'll see any of the first round. And then you might see two or three, four in the second. Then you'll start to see a big, that big chunk in the third, fourth, fifth. Yeah. Um, But I mean, he's, I mean, with running backs, like dudes can run slow and then you got to go back and look at the tape and go, okay, I thought this guy was fast, but now he's, a four five nine. Right. Like I can now I gotta go rewatch him. Like a lot of these drills are to confirm what you thought or to make you go back. Right. You know. So he's got the I mean, he's definitely gonna have a chance to, to jump up depending on what everybody else does. Because like some dudes aren't gonna run fast. Like, right. You just know that that's who they are. And does that matter? You know, does that matter? to the, the teams whenever they're drafting. <clears throat> wide receiver. Uh, wide receiver Pierce is 15 on the list. I think that's he's, low. He's going to test off the charts. Um, it might be low, but with this wide receiver group, that's that's borderline second round. Yeah. second, so, Late second, early third, yeah, somewhere in there. You're going to get Five, maybe, I feel like five, maybe six in the first. And then there's a, I think there's a pretty big gap after those guys. But, I mean, just look at who goes to the Super Bowl and how the sport is made. Like, you need dudes on the outside. 
So like guys are still going to go. Yeah. So his testing could push him into the second. Um, right now, I would still kind of put him in the third. But, I mean, that's still top 100, top 90, something pick, so. Yeah. Uh, nothing tight end, nothing offensive line. Where is my J? My J is 13th, which feels about right to me. This defensive ed line, cl defensive edge class is loaded. I mean, you could have six or seven guys go in the first round easy. And I think he's, he's an easy second round. Like there's not a ton of, in my opinion, like delineation. Like I want to see what he weighs and then I want to see what he runs. But like he's not a first rounder because he's not six four or taller and two sixty or more. He's six four or taller. He's just he's not two sixty or more. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't. Well, you have six, like six the, four or taller. He's six four. Yeah. He doesn't have the crazy, like the crazy get off bend, um, like explosion. He's got good initial. Like off the line, he's whipping tackles, but like you see some of these smaller, like some of these dudes that are just like shot out of a cannon. I just think yeah. he's, he's right in there, second round. You know, situational dude to start on a four down front defense. Yeah. Unless he can, you know, that's the question. They're like, okay, yeah, can he get to 260? Okay, but then what does that mean to the to his game? I, I don't think the question is, can he get to 260? I think he can absolutely get to 260. Just, he just can't stay there once the season starts. Right. That's the question. Like, the, the question is, can he stay at 260? Getting to 260, I don't think it'll be. He's been up in the 250s, like, and he's got a, a, a great frame. He can get there. Right. But, like, what's the point in getting there if you can't not stay, there stay there when right. you're not the same player? Like, we just use you at 245 to 250. In the in your best ways, right? Which situational edge rusher? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I want to actually want to you 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 talk about something real quick while I look this up because I want to kind of compare the two. Here's a hypothetical: Jets are early second round, right? Uh, yeah. Maje has been a pet project of Greg Scruggs for a long, long time. Could potentially see the Jets tipping their hand here and that they want their assistant D-line coach. I don't think he can go that. He can't go that high. You don't think? Ten, like roughly the 10th pick of the second round? Yeah. No. There's going to be some like first round fallers at that point. Yeah, but if you think he can be an impact rusher, you think he can be an impact get to the quarterback guy in this league anymore, quarterback, cornerback. For sure. Offensive but line. But I also don't know like the get Jets. to the quarterback. I they make don't... terrible decisions all the time, Dave. Right, but I don't know what their defensive line looks like. It's obviously not great. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's here's a comp. The 
Joseph Osai, who the Bengals drafted last year in the third round. Yeah. 6'4", 256. Now, he's, I think he was much more raw than Maijay is. Like, Maijay's played a lot more snaps. And Joseph Osai was the talk of camp. Right. I mean, I think that's that's what you're looking at when you, when you come in. Okay. I think the Jets... Where are we setting the over under, setting the over under at pick forty or something? I don't know. I'm just saying that you know the, <laughs> the the Jets took a chance on Greg Scruggs. Maybe that's why. Maybe maybe that maybe they take him in the third. Maybe it's not in the second. Maybe they target him in the third. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, linebacker. Where's where's our man Darian Beavers? Anywhere? Beavers is thirteenth. Okay. I don't I mean. I don't. It feels kind of low, but like linebacker is, it's like the running back of defense. Like you can just get by. You can get by with just not elite elite linebackers. So where do teams? You know, you're gonna have Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean. In the first round. Yes. But after that, like, who knows? Like, how many – like, it just feels like you're going to have to love a linebacker to use, like, your second-round pick for a linebacker over an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, a corner, or a wide receiver. Yeah. So it just feels like third, fourth round. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Uh, Sauce. Sauce second behind Trent McDuffie from Washington, which all Washington, all the guys that come out of Washington to me are the same. Like they're fine. They're good. But like Trent McDuffie doesn't have Ahmad traits. No. And if he runs fast and I've, I've heard, starting to hear that he might weigh in a little light. And I'm like, what's what? 190, 195. Like, that that's that big of a deal i mean but you know it's all about what's he gonna run because you know if you're six three and you're 195 and you run in the mid four fours like you're getting that you're getting it right so i mean i feel like it's it's almost gotten to the point where the stats and like the the anomaly of the whole like didn't allow a touchdown his whole career and the whole like didn't allow more than 13 yards to any wide receiver has turned now into well, we got to find something to knock him for because there's no way he can be this good so it's like oh he might he might weigh in on the lighter side like Okay, whatever. That's the thing. Right. That's the thing you're gonna like say that he's not cornerback one because of when the other guy is 5'11", 195. Uh, the Stingley thing for me, I just I he hasn't been good since 2019. The last time Derek Stingley was a good corner, COVID hadn't been uh, invented to, yet. I think that's starting to catch up to him. I mean, it sounds more and more like as scouts and coaches get involved and not them just media mocks. Yeah. That 
the whole like your best ability is availability and what's the last thing we've seen on tape from you and you're still not healthy like you're not working out this week like you you know like you've been out of my out of I not out of mind because he keeps getting talked about because he did have an incredible 2019. But like hey, it was awesome. That, that only, was 2019. Right. That only that only helps you for so long. I mean, that's like a baseball player. Oh, you hit 40 home runs in 2018. Well, yeah, but that's not who he is anymore. Like your great year in 2019, that doesn't mean that that's what player you are anymore. I just, I, 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 it blows my mind to still see him above Ahmad. It does. Yeah, uh, I, think, Kobe. I think those those things are just strictly on like if on ifs. If yeah. he's healthy and if he returns to form, if he's healthy and if he returns to anywhere near twenty nineteen, he's the best player in the draft. Yeah, I mean, like that's an, I don't really think that's up for debate, but. That's a, those are two pretty big ifs. I mean, the guy's been hurt. It still isn't, I guess, 100%. And the guy didn't play well the last time he was on the field. So, you know, those are pretty big ifs to draft the guy super high on. Kobe. Kobe's at 10. I mean, I think he's a second-round guy now as long as he doesn't run some – crazy slow number this weekend yeah just from the standpoint of like you're gonna have that sauce stingley trent mcduffie and andrew booth from clemson or four florida uh, i mean but like those are your four for sure first rounders i've seen the kid from florida pretty high on a lot of some i i mean i think he could be but like i know for a fact those four guys are going in the first round okay I got you. Then you then you have Kyrie Elam from Florida, Roger McCreary from Auburn, um, this kid from UT San Antonio, Tariq Woolen, who apparently is like 6'3, 200 pounds, and might break John Ross's 40 record. Oh wow. So he's shooting up boards. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And then so you have that guy. You got Martin Emerson, Martin Emerson also, from Mississippi State. Also John Ross. Yeah. Exactly. Speed's not everything. But you got like that next group of like four guys that seem to be getting some buzz. You know, they're going to go at the end of the first round up to the middle of the second. Yeah. So then, it, you know, Kobe's going to be positioned somewhere in that second, second half of early, the second middle round third, yeah. to the beginning of the third. Yeah. And, it, and like we've talked about in the past, it totally like what scheme are these teams drafting? Right. You know, and what do they value? Do they, you know, from a corner standpoint, long arms, speed, you know, it's very, very specific. Like fans that don't follow every team and how could you, or why would you, you know, a player might fall and it's strictly because like, yeah, we love the guy, but like he doesn't fit what we do. So, you know, if a team is looking for a player just like Kobe, then, yeah, maybe he does go, like, middle, second round. Um, and then Brian Cook. This one's the, the, biggest, the biggest one to me, which makes me kind of 
you know, perk up a little bit. He's got Cook sixth. Which, given the five guys in front of him, like, that's second round. If you have Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, is going to go in the first round. Then you have Daxton Hill of Michigan, Jaquan Briskert of Penn State, Jalen Petrie of Baylor, and Lewis Seen of Georgia. That would not surprise me if one of those guys goes in the first round. Then you have the other three that are probably going in the top 50. So the first 20 picks of the second round. Yeah. And then you got Cook. If you, you're just going off of this. Now, obviously, this is just one guy's thing. But, like, if he is, a, you know, I don't know what he's going to be able to do. But if he does some stuff and then does more at Pro Day, like, dude could be a second-round pick. The reality would probably be third, right? But I think so, but it just depends. Like, when you're – it depends. Like, if all those other guys test really well, too – and that pushes them up, that automatically pushes him up. Right. Like, I could see the, like, those guys I just named, I could see the Bengals taking one of those guys at 31. Wow. And and having, like, Von, Mil- Von Bell's going into the last year of his contract, we've got our young up-and-coming safety to plug yeah. right in. Yeah. Get a year on special teams and... Oh, he'll play a ton on defense, but yeah, I mean, yeah. like, this is a because that's the thing too. Like, the the end of the first round, the good teams, the Bengals, like, you can draft much more for need now, and you can look at your roster and go, okay, this guy's going to be a free agent after this year. Sure, we'd love to sign him, but if we don't, we love. Daxton Hill, and he can just plug right in. You know, when you take if you take care of certain things in free agency. So I mean, he he really is like, and I just think there's some, there's already some buzz with him, and you know that'll only grow if he's able to have a good weekend if you know i don't know what i haven't seen what he's gonna do or not do he's gonna crush in interviews and like once he gets to start talking i just feel like unless his story he's still i mean like he might not do bench press but like unless he's still doing rehab i feel like the way he is it's gonna be hard to keep him out off the field he's not one to sit out even though it's a different game now the agent's gonna be like dude you're not doing anything like right there's no reason to do anything. Just go do your pro day. Like that's going to kill him to, <clears throat> to go there to just talk to teams and have his shoulder looked at. That's not what he, that's not, that's not how Brian cook rolls. No. <laughs> Luckily there's not a game because there is a game. Yeah. But I mean, realistically, just with the uncertainty that running backs get drafted, you can have seven of the eight guys go in the first four rounds pretty comfortably. Or or at worst five, right? Yeah. Like that would be all five. That would be all eight. But I mean, like, yeah. And the other seven guys, 
Dez, Sauce, Maje, Cook, Kobe, Beavers. Cook and Kobe. They're, I mean, you could have five in the top two rounds there. Yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be a busy Thursday and Friday. Friday, Saturday. Thursday's just round one. Yeah, you're going to get sauce. I mean, you'll get sauce. Yeah, but. And then two and three are on Friday. One yeah. Rounds one, two, and three. It's going to be way busier than normal for the Bearcats. There will still be some things to watch on Saturday, days, you know, rounds four and five. But abnormally from what we're used to. Oh, yeah. We're used to tracking, like, who's the one guy that's going to go on Friday and then watching, you know, rapid-fire picks on Saturday. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a little different scenario is what I was getting at. Our focus mainly is going to be on Thursday with Sauce, maybe Dez. And then Friday, I think, is going to be a flurry of activity. Uh, Yeah, so... Stay tuned to the Bearcat Journal Twitter, as I'm sure Dave will be uh, tracking everything yes, tomorrow, but, Friday, and Saturday. It's, it's Raz score season. You love the Raz scores. Relative athletic scoring, man. You love the Raz scores. It's a nice, great little snapshot of like what a guy is. Right. Sure. You got anything else? I don't think so. No, no Bengals reaction to all the, uh, all, all the what? <laughs> all the coach interviews and press oh, no. availability the past two days. They said they said nothing. <laughs> Frank Pollock's like Frank Pollock likes guys guys that guys eat glass. Eat, yep, mm -hmm. yep. Eats glass. Brian Jensen definitely a glass eater. I I I don't trust anyone that can eat glass. I mean, it seems like a poor, the poor decision makers. If you get if you can willingly eat glass, I, I I either want to be your best friend or I don't want to have anything to do with you because you could turn at any moment. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think I would rather like I, I'd rather a guy eat gravel. Like I, I want the guy that eats gravel. I mean, is, is that that much? Is that is there that much of a difference there? I mean, I guess it's not going to cut your mouth, but you're not going to yeah. be able to chew it either. But it's not going to cut your mouth, and it's not going to cut your butthole on the way out. I don't think it's coming out. I think you <laughs> oh, eat, it's coming out. I think if you eat eat uh, glass, it's gonna yeah, glass to is going to destroy your insides. Removed in, internally before yeah. the exit strategy. If you eat some gravel, you know, you're just going to poop out some rocks. Yeah. Bound yourself up a little bit. Right. I, I don't want to know anybody that eats eats glass. I'm good with that. No, it, <laughs> it, it sounds like. What does Frank Pollock do in his spare time? Does he eat glass? I don't know. All right. Sorry. I don't, I don't think so. There. Maybe he did when he was younger. Maybe he, he grew out of it. That's that's how he knows about it now. That's why he likes guys that eat glass because he used to eat glass, and now he's uh, now he's moved on. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like they're gonna 
it's going to be interesting to see the reaction. You know, free agency starts in two weeks. Even you know, you can technically have the the tampering period Monday or whatever. Um, yeah, but like, even though the see, that's, even though they've been more aggressive than ever the last two years, the way they go about it is not any different. Like the contract structures aren't different, and what they value isn't different. So yeah. I would not expect a big contract to a guard. Uh, I mean, if they weren't willing to pay Joe Tooney and they weren't willing to pay Kevin Zeitler what he got from the Ravens last year. They like, hate guards. They right. just They hate guards. And we can say that's I wrong. Think but, I think it's wrong, but they hate guards. But, like, that's the way they do it. So why get – yourself all mad when they you know just right. understand how they operate and you won't it won't bother you like you can disagree but like i can say like yeah they should give this guard like 10 million dollars a year but they're not gonna so i think you're no. looking at i think you're looking at a, a new center and a new right tackle possibly which that doesn't have me doing somersaults because it's not like there's a ton of great right tackles out there but they're clearly better than what they had and then I think you're maybe looking at a guard in the four to six million dollar range that is your fifth starter slash really, really good backup, but still better than Quentin Spain. And then I think 31 is kind of that spot where some of these other guards you'd feel pretty good about drafting and starting right away. Can they get the kid from Iowa? The center? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, maybe. I would be pretty stunned if he was still there. I'm still all in on trade 31 for Tunsil. Oh, I am too. I'm all in. I am too, but that's... You want to talk about things that have never happened. I know. Like, they do not... Again, another one of those things. I don't agree with it. <laughs> but, but they are not trading a pick for a player straight up. That's not happening. Yeah, like I said, 31, Trey Waynes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a guy on Twitter today say they should trade uh 31 Trey Wayne's a seventh rounder or no it was 31 a seventh rounder and Auden Tate and I'm like if Duke Tobin can trade a free agent he should absolutely be <laughs> executive of the year <laughs> but then uh... they just they just won't trade a draft pick for a player where they don't get even the Cordy Glenn trade was a pick swap. Yeah. Like they didn't net lose any picks in that trade. They just traded for the player and then moved further back in the first round. Well, but the other thing we know is that Houston is terrible at trading. Yeah. But so are the Bengals. Yeah, that's fair. And they put, they put 
what I think to be unreasonable price. They traded uh, fucking uh, what's his name for BJ Hill. That's true. They also traded two draft picks for Ryan Finley. They got two first rounds for Carson Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got a one one first mm. and a second. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's like the final frontier of like this is this is totally different. Like we see a a player on a team that they're is looking that to a first round draft pick. They're looking to likely move, and this guy is way better than anybody we're going to take in the first round, and helps us at a need spot. We are going to give up this first round pick and probably more. Like if I'm the Texans, I'm like, you're not giving me just that. Yeah, Trey Wayne's. Here you go. Yeah, he's yours. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh... give them a first, and what do they have? A complimentary fourth? No, uh, I don't. Th- uh, I don't even know if they're going to end up getting that because John Ross didn't play enough snaps. God, that guy sucks. It would have been a fourth if he played a certain. The formulas. Right. Nobody even knows how they work this damn formula, but. It sounds like he's not going to have played enough snaps to – because then if he doesn't count, then they have a perfectly even free agents out, free agents in. Gotcha. And they won't they won't get a comp. If he somehow counts, they'll likely get an extra fourth-round pick. See, I'm, I'm all for that. Like, you, you, you know, the, the 31 and John yeah. Ross. And comp picks can be traded now. Yeah. 31 and John Ross for Larry McCunsell. Oh, yeah. John Ross that's on the Giants? Well, what? no, the pick that... Oh, the fourth rounder? The fourth rounder <laughs> that is John Ross, like, you know... Yeah. In, in terms of, you know, we got this fourth rounder because of John Ross, so he becomes John Ross on the chessboard. Uh, so, you know, 31 and John Ross for Larry McCunsell. I'm in. <laughs> yes. I'm sure the Texans would be too. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy though. You see like these fucking NFL all pros and they're like, well, they just got traded for a six round pick straight up. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand this part of the NFL. Like I, I see stuff happen and I look at it and I go, how, why? Well, it's, a lot of it depends like, on like, I'm going to trade the- a fourth rounder for this NFL all pro. What's left on their contract? How old are they? NFL All-Pro. Like Von Miller got traded for a second and a third. Yeah, I'd trade a second and a third for Von Miller. Right, but he's older and uh, a free agent. So, like, the Rams weren't going to give that much up for him. A second and a third is pretty significant. Yeah. No, it, it is. But he's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's a... He's a pretty like, significant player. Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Laramie Tunsil's, what, 27? I mean, not everybody gives up, like, a first and a second for Carson Wentz, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, quarterback's just so much value. Yeah. You think we could trade Ryan Finley? No, because he's. I think he's on, the te- <laughs> he's on the Texans too. I think, but uh, I, I know where he was. <laughs> I'm just being a smartass now. <laughs> but that's like the thing. That's if you're one of these teams at the top, 
I would just draft another quarterback anyway because they're always going to have value. Someone's always yeah. going to think that they can like fix them or you know just stockpile quarterbacks and keep flipping them for first round first rounders. So you Here's find the problem with your Cincinnati. Nobody in this town is ever like everybody always wants to back up quarterback. That's not going to exist here. No. Nobody's ever going to be like, man, we could just get Des Ritter in the game and get Joe out of there. <laughs> I mean, for all the, for all the, the shit the Bengals have done, and they they have been good at picking quarterbacks. Yeah, they have. Now it's well, it's a lot easier round. when you've got the number first one pick. overall quarterback. <laughs> But hey, a lot of those guys bust out too. So yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, I don't have anything else to you. Nope. That's gonna wrap it up. We shall see you. I guess Wednesday. Well, it depends. If they're the seven seed, then they're gonna play early on Thursday. Then we can do Thursday night because then we'll have the game to talk about. If they play late Thursday, then we're going to have to do Wednesday. Um, we have spring football, if you're looking for the schedule. We have spring football on Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday of this coming week. So the first four spring football practices are in week one. Then there's an off week for spring break. Dave and I might be working on a pretty special guest for the off week. Might be. And then they'll come back and do four weeks of, or yeah, four weeks of Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, including the spring game on April 9th, which is going to be a bitch because that's also the first open AAU weekend of the spring. I guess Easter is what's screwing with that this year. That first weekend is not usually until later in April. Mm -hmm. So it's never messed with the spring game before. So I guess I'm going to have to go to Indianapolis. Under Armour and Adidas are in, in, in Indianapolis that first AAU weekend. So I'm probably going to have to go to Indy Friday, watch some games, come back for the spring game on Saturday and then go back uh, after the spring game, catch what else I can on Saturday and Sunday. There's also a baseball game the same day as the spring game. So mm -hmm. spring game, they're hoping, uh, will be noon, one o'clock. Baseball game is yeah. at four. Yeah. Sounds like there are plans in the works to try to see what they can do as far as like turning shakely lawn into kind of a grid type experience, make a whole day out of getting everybody out there um, for spring game and baseball. One of you, one of you guys is going to have to write the, uh, the spring Not game report. No, come on. I don't even know if I'll be there. I know. So. Aaron, you're probably it because I'm going to have to get in my car and drive straight to Indy to get back to AAU. So, yeah, I, I might. I don't even know if I'll be there. So, so April 9th, Aaron, clear that off your schedule, okay? 
that's not a due date or anything, is it? We're not close to baby time at that point. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not due till uh, July. We're good. No, we should be good. You might have to carry a heavy load uh, on April 9th because I'm going to have a shit ton of work to do that weekend. Ugh. But that's why we love this job, right? That's right. Correct answers, yes. <laughs> that's going to wrap it up. He's Dave Simone. Thanks to producer extraordinaire Aaron Smith. We'll see you next week. We'll see what that looks like as it happens. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.